Okay. Well, in general, how is everybody doing? Just in general? Okay. I've got uh, one thing I want to share um, before I share a bunch of things, before I get to the message that isn't really a message. Does that make sense to everyone? It will. Um, and I don't do this often, but when it does happen, I feel like I've got to obey. So I was... Um, <clears throat> I don't know what your name is right there with the beard. Mike, Mike would you mind standing up? I won't embarrass you or anything. <laughs> Hi, Mike. <laughs> um, I don't know if we've met before. I don't think so. But um, I just walked down the aisle before the service, and I just saw you guys sitting there and prayed for you. Yay, there's nice people, I guess. I don't know. And um, I sat down, and this verse popped into my head. And I think it's for you, so I'll read it. I didn't know what it was before. I mean, I heard the scripture, but didn't know what was in it, and it says this, uh, Jeremiah 117, get up and prepare for action. Go out and tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them. So in my experience with prophecy, I mean, New Testament prophecy, we, we hear in part, we prophesy in part, and our part is to give out what we think we hear, and then your, your part, Mike, is to discern what the Lord's saying. But my sense in it is that there is a calling upon your life. I don't know if this means vocational ministry. I, I don't know. But there's a, a calling upon your life to proclaim the good news. Does that make sense to you? Is that, does that resonate as a... Okay. That specifically, you're crying, that's always a good sign. <laughs> specifically, that... This, and I'm, I, again, you've got to test this, but I think this is like a now thing. I mean, literally, it says, stand up and prepare for action and go and tell them everything that I've told them and do not be afraid of them. I don't know who they are, but um, let's just put our hands out. Let's pray for Mike. Lord, thank you for this encouragement just straight from heaven for Mike. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would bring discernment for him in the midst of this, that he would hear only the essence of what you want to say to him and none of my uh, interpretation. So, Holy Spirit, come and fill him now with the boldness and the presence and that sense of confident joy as he proclaims the good news. We just thank you, God, for your goodness in his life and your blessing upon him. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, explanation. I mean, when you get a prophetic word like that, Again, we don't, we don't always know what's, what's straight from God and what's our part. And so I will go to Mike after the service and I will ask him, is that right? You know, and how did that sense? And we'll talk about it because that's how we learn is by stepping out occasionally. And, and um, you know, the, the worst possible thing that could happen is, hey, I think I got a word from God. I was wrong. Oh, but God really does love you. So the worst thing that could happen right there is that God, Mike knows that God sees him. And loves him, even imperfectly, through someone like me. Okay. Awesome. Okay, uh, got about three sort of pieces of family business I want to go through, and um, let me say it this way: If God called you here this morning, it's because you're invited to be a part of our family. So, if God called you here this morning, He He called you because uh, you get to belong here. Whatever that means for you, that's an invitation, not just to be here, but to be accepted here and to be a part of what God's doing at the vineyard. Because we see this church, we walk in this church as a family. That's our desire is to be a family. So I'm going to give you a little uh, 
um, family update on our executive pastor search. You know that we've been searching for an executive pastor. We sent Chad off maybe a month or so ago. Um, actually, Chad and Stephanie have gotten some, some encouraging news about their daughter's health and some challenging news. So continue to pray for Chad and Stephanie and for little Kezia. Um, I, we had uh, interviewed a bunch of people and gotten a whole bunch of resumes, and um, it was clear to me that God hadn't yet shown us who this executive pastor was supposed to be. And it was uh, October the 30th. I just noticed on my text, I was in the sanctuary right here. I think I had just come from a time of prayer, like morning prayer. Maybe it was a Wednesday. And I was a little discouraged because we need an executive pastor. I'm not an executive pastor. I don't have that administrative leadership thing. And we really need that to be what God's called us to be in this community and in central Indiana. So I walked in here, and I'll just be honest, I was feeling pretty pitiful. I was just kind of desperate, and I'm like, God, okay, I give up, which is probably what he was waiting for, right? Like, God, I give up. I don't know what else to do. I don't know another website to go to. I don't know who else to call upon. We had great candidates, and, I, and God said, no, these aren't the people. That's just how it happened. And so I'm literally walking about right here. I'm praying, and this just the tiniest little thought pops into my head. I ought to text my friend. So I text my friend Rusty, who lives in Cincinnati, who is featured prominently often in my sermons because he had such an impact on my life. And I say to Rusty, and this was a really pitiful, facetious text. I'm like, by any chance, you don't have like a 30-something uh, you know, leader full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, apostolic evangelistic giftings, who loves to lead people, clearly called by God and equipped to take, a, you know, the next season in, in the kingdom. You know, just like that. And uh, Rusty texts back almost immediately, ah, oh, the perfect leader. And so I texted back. I said, I'm not looking for Jesus, you know. I would take the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, Matthias, I mean anybody, you know. And um, he texts back five minutes later, and he says, I got a guy who might be curious. And um, from that text on October the 30th to fast forward 21 days, and a man named Adam Kazel from Cincinnati accepted our offer as executive pastor. You can clap. This is a clapping time. And I will say a lot of great things about Adam, but I wanted to let you know that's where we are. God has called a person. Um, The person happens to be connected to another person named Carrie, and they have uh, worked together to produce five more people (laughs) whose names I can't remember right now. Um, So Adam and Carrie will actually be here in two weeks on a Sunday morning. We'll introduce you to them. Adam will begin as executive pastor on January the 1st. They are moving from Cincinnati, um, so they're selling a house and buying a house and doing all that that needs to be done right in the middle of this season. So I just want to say thank you for praying for that, and I want to say thanks to God in the midst of it publicly because um, I think when we come to the end of ourselves and all the way we can figure it out, then God intervenes. And um, I'm really excited about Adam. I'm excited about what God has for our body, for this family in the next uh, years. Okay. Second little piece of family business. Last week we sent Ron and Tracy... Uh, Vitalis to Pinon. Remember, we prayed for them. Um, Ron actually sent me a text from the airplane flying into Pinon. It was a joke. He's like, here's the Pinon aerodrome, which is a field. 
and I have landed in that field in a tiny little plane. So I just thought I want to give you a, a quick update of what, what they're doing and just ask us to pray for what's happening in Pinon, Haiti. Pinon is a remote city, about 35,000 people in the north-central plateau of Haiti. Haiti, you may not know, is recognized in the world as one of the, has got one of the ten most corrupt governments. I don't think you see that in the U.S. News and World Report, you know, like greatest place to live or something, but it's a reality in Haiti. Um, 70 to 80 percent unemployment. Per capita income, I think Ron mentioned this, $300 a year. And uh, in spite of that, Ron, who's been there, I don't know, 50 times in the last 20 years, um, and I saw when I went there a few years back, a beautiful people. There is a thriving church there in Pinon, um, and yet it's a, it's a hard place to live. And um, through the Haitian Education and Literacy Program, we as a church support 40 children to, to have schooling every single year. The program itself supports 2,000, and 40 of those with 10 new ones on the giving wall come from us. And we get a, we get a chance to be a part of changing generations in that country because we're introducing these children not just to uh, schooling but to Jesus. And we've seen those places where they do that. So I just wanted to take a moment and pray. Merlin, would you come forward? I asked Merlin because Merlin and Annie are hang out with the, vita- the vitalists. I call them the vitali. Okay, so just pray for Pinon. And- yes. Um, Psalm 127 verses 3 and 4, it says here, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one shield. So Lord, we lift up Pinon right now in Jesus' name. The children, Lord, which are at the tip of the arrow, Lord, who's going to pierce the next generation with your love. And I ask now, Lord, that through uh, this simple ministry that uh, started, Lord, with uh, Ron and Tracy, Lord, that you will change this generation and the generations to come. We proclaim that the kingdom will expand in Pinon, Haiti, through this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Marilyn. Appreciate it. I'll take that. Um, second, fan, uh, third, I don't know where I am, family update, uh, John and Bev Atkins, we sent them out about a month ago to Roatan, which is an island off of Honduras, and um, we've had a lot of good communication from them. Jane and I got to uh, talk to them by WhatsApp on Friday, and I just felt like it was important that we encourage you with what God's doing in them, and then also to pray for John and Bev, our vineyard missionaries in Roatan. Um, John and Bev took about four seconds in the country to, to start ministering. I mean, that's, that's just who they are because they minister as a way of life. So we've heard lots of good stories about what's going on with them. They, they do have a house. Their backyard is the beach. And they've seen people being baptized already through a church right there on, on that beach. It's amazing. Um, they're connecting with a bunch of churches. They've already got relationships there with a number of pastors. Tristan, who you may remember, spoke here about a year and a half ago um, from Honduras. Also, Pastor Car- Pastora 
Harold and Leslie, two women who lead churches that they've gotten connected with. And probably right now, because they're an hour behind us, right now, John and Bev are with Pastor Carol's church. And she said what they're doing this morning is they're going out to minister to the poor and the homeless. And this is just, if you can hear Bev's voice, she's like, I mean, I don't mean any offense by this, but I'm going into this church and I'm thinking, you mean there are people that have more difficulty than what you're experiencing right here. And the people in that church realize, no, there are people out there that don't have anything, that don't have Jesus, that don't have a place to lay their heads at night. So John and Bev are getting to be a part of that. So I just uh, wanted to pray for John and Bev. Actually, I'm going to ask Jane Foken to come up and pray for John and Bev, for their relationships with pastors, for what's going on in Roatan. You can just preach for a while if you want So you may or may not know that that um, they're they're really good friends of ours, of my husband's and I, and um, we just I WhatsApped her the other day, and every day it's like, okay, tell me something new, tell me something new, and they have they have really really, the Lord is just like paving the way for them, mm-hmm. like He's stepping before them, and. They're just following wh- where he leads, and and um, they're real chill about it. You know, it's like, eh. like, like this is not a way of life, Beth. This is this is favor on you. Yeah. So anyway, I just want to lift up um, the pastors and Bev and John and and everybody over there. So um, Father God, I I just thank you um, that you instilled in Bev and John a calling that they could not say no to. I thank you that um, that you're keeping your promise in that you will be faithful and you will be with them always. And I, I thank you for Pastor Carol and, and Leslie and Jenny and uh, Pastor Tristan and all those guys who are so hungry and so thankful that Bev and John are there. And I just... I just ask that you continue to stir revival in that region um, where um, it's not all yummy all the time, but it's hard, Lord. And I just thank you that you, with Bev and John, are carrying hope back into the land. Amen. Amen. Thanks. One uh, story just popped into my mind when Jane was praying is um, Bev said the other day, like just a couple of days ago, um, she was sitting on the beach. <laughs> this is called suntan evangelism, all right? She's sitting on the beach and a guy walks by and the guy basically comes up, starts to talk to her and basically wants to sell her marijuana. And she says, no, thank you very much. And um, they started into a conversation and Bev said that this guy just is is kind of revealing his life, like, all the things he's doing, not, not, not exemplary holiness in this man's life. And then John walks out, and they start talking. And the guy says to John, so why are you guys here? And John says, oh, we're missionaries. And she, Bev said you could see the guy go, oh, no, because he had just revealed his life, you know. Turns out he is a lapsed believer, a Christian that the Lord loves and knows, and God's calling him back to himself right on the beach, right there, and um, Bev and John said, more than likely, this guy who plays the keyboard 
We'll help them lead a worship service right in their backyard. Yeah, that's the favor of God. That is the favor of God. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard for them. We've lived on the mission field. Many of you have lived other places. You know that it's hard. But when, but when you're walking in the favor of God, when you're walking in the favor of God, there's, there's nothing like it. And they're walking in favor. I want to keep praying for them. I want to keep us praying for them. I'm going to keep them before you so that we remember that's a part of our family, walking in favor and, and ministering over there. Okay. Finally, take a look in your bulletin. If you have a bulletin, will you just raise it like that? No, I don't need one. I just need this water. Okay, look on the back of that bulletin. See all those verses? There's like seven verses about joy. Those are my gift to you for this week because I'm not going to talk about them this morning. They're really good verses, though. Okay, so I'm, I'm serious. I'm giving you those verses, seven verses on joy. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you about joy this week. You get those. Did you notice how there's one for each day? Every single day when you get up and say, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? I, I've given you a verse to interact with the Lord. But I'm not going to talk about those today because the fact is I was arrested yesterday. Dramatic I uh, woke up in the morning. I was sitting in my living room. It was early in the morning. I had my Bible open before me, and I saw a verse, and I was arrested. I was stopped in my tracks. And um, I apologize that this is a verse way out of season. It's from the triumphal entry. It's Easter. It's so out of season. It's killing me. But I couldn't get past it. All day yesterday, I couldn't get past it. All this morning, I couldn't get past it. I was just minding my own business, and there's the Bible, and it's open, and here's the scripture, and the Holy Spirit says to me, stop, don't move, put your head and your heart in a place where I can see them, be still, I want to speak to you. And I read this verse from Luke 19. 41 to 45. This is Jesus entering right before Palm Sunday. Sorry for the out of context, out of season. But this is the message from the Lord for us this morning. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know why you uh, arrested me yesterday but I know that you uh, want us as a family to stop right here on the first Sunday of Advent when the rest of the world is talking about hope and joy and you want us to look at this passage and you want us to open our eyes and our hearts to put them out in plain sight so that you, King Jesus, can speak to us about our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come now in great measure. We know you're here, but we ask that you come and, and, um, and speak to every single heart and mind here. 
Reveal what it is that you want to say. Encourage us with what you want to do. And empower us, not just to believe, but to obey. Amen. So this passage from Luke 19 had a particular meaning for a particular time. At the time of this writing, Luke is telling us, you know, Jesus, end of his ministry, is coming into Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross. He, he may be the only one who really gets that. He's on his way to the cross, and he gets to a hill, and he's overlooking Jerusalem, the city of peace. He's overlooking Jerusalem, the, the symbol of the people of God, the, the center of God's heart. I mean, just the Old Testament, all about Jerusalem, the place of peace. God's favored place. And Jesus starts to weep because he's looking down on this city appointed by God and the people. And he says, it's not even a whole sentence. It's just an exclamation. He says, can you go to that next verse? If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace. It just stopped me yesterday, and I'll just be honest. I'm like, I don't even know what that means in the context. There's no more commentary on this. It's Jesus going into Jerusalem, and he's speaking to the city, to the people. Obviously, the disciples here, because here's Luke writing it down. Oh, if you, and it really hit me, even you. It's like the Holy Spirit came into my living room saying, if you, no, no, no. I mean, even you had only recognized the things that make for peace. In the context, I think what Jesus is communicating from his heart, out of his spirit, is coming. You know, if, if only you had realized that the Prince of Peace was among you, we wouldn't be going through this. If only you had realized that the humble king of the universe is coming into Jerusalem, the place of peace on a donkey, the first coming, only to wait for that second coming when he comes in on a stallion, a white horse, in complete victory, he's saying, oh, if you, even you, would have just recognized, just realized, just grasped for a minute, what are those things that make for peace? So I think he's, he's weeping over Jerusalem and the reality that they, they didn't recognize him for who he was. The Prince of Peace, God incarnate, the creator become created from an uncreated state to be a part of our humanity as perfect deity. They just couldn't get it, maybe any more than we can get it when you think about that. And he goes further. And he's, so he, he then prophesies in the passage, he prophesies the destruction of Jerusalem, which is going to happen in like 37 years. He prophesies the destruction of Jerusalem. There won't even be one stone left on another. And that's what happened in 70 AD. It was destroyed. Jesus the prophet saying, here's what's going to happen. And then as if to sort of put the other side, and here's why it happened. Why is that that will happen? Will have it have, why will it have happened? Because what? You didn't recognize the time of your visitation from God. I think it's the same point. You didn't realize God was among you. You didn't realize 
God was there. And I think that's, that's what got me yesterday morning. I'm just sitting there on the couch with my coffee and my little blanket. <laughs> and I was arrested. And that's the word that came to me. That's why I said it the way I did. I was arrested. I was stopped. I have a habit. I go through morning prayer. I've got all the scriptures I'm supposed to read. I do it very faithfully every day. And I couldn't get past this one. And I'm even asking God, what in the world is the triumphal entry doing on December the 1st? (laughs) What was Thomas Cranmer thinking back in the 16th century? I don't know, but I was stopped. And I wasn't just arrested, just to complete the analogy, I was charged. And I was charged to invite you to be arrested with me. I was charged to invite you to stop at the beginning of Advent. Just stop. Don't hear, you know, Jesus, stop right there. Hear Jesus, stop right there. Just stop. It's the beginning of Advent. So many joyful things we're going to be talking about in the next four weeks. Advent is that season that we come to every year. It's remembering the reality of the now. Jesus has come. And looking expectantly with hope towards the promise of the reality, Jesus is coming again. We live between the times. Advent is a perfect symbol of us as believers living between the times. The kingdom is here because Jesus came. And the kingdom is coming because he's coming again. The kingdom is here so we see healing and we see victory and we have joy. And the kingdom is coming. So sometimes we still have pain and difficulty and challenge. But Advent is that time when we wait, remembering that he's here in our midst, that he has given us those things that make for peace in this life, and also that he's coming again, that when Jesus comes back the second time, he will make all things right. Does anyone have anything wrong in their lives? Does anyone have anything wrong in their lives? He will make all things right. He's the Redeemer. That's the joy of Advent, right? He's the Redeemer. And the invitation this morning at the beginning of Advent for us at the vineyard, for whatever reason God decided, is that we would just stop and consider this question from the Lord. For you, this morning, this week, this month, what are the things that make for peace? I'm asking you, I'm asking you to be before the Lord, to take to the Lord this week, God, what are the things that you've put in my life that make for peace? Jesus said, if you, even you, would recognize the things that make for peace. And I took that as an invitation. Okay, God, is there any place in my life where you are calling me to be at peace with you and I'm fighting? Is there any place in my life where you have called me to walk as a person of peace in the world and I'm in conflict, I'm in unreconciled relationship? What are the things that make for peace? I'm not going to preach about it. I'm just going to put the question before you and I'm going to ask the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, to speak to you this day, this week, for this month. To stop. God, what are the things that make for peace? 
there are some of us in here, and I sometimes am one of us like this, that am not at peace with ourselves because we judge in a different way than God judges. We see our reality and we say we can't possibly be accepted by God. Who would want someone like me? And it's a lie from the pit of hell when God says, Ephesians 1, 6, you are accepted in the beloved. I think it's important that we understand walking into Advent as the people of God, as a family of God, that peace with God is the greatest need of the world. It is great what we're doing on the giving wall. I am thrilled. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus said, the more you give, the more you'll get, so you can give all the more, all the more and my, my glory will flow from your giving. That's divine generosity. We talked about it last week. But the, every single gift is a symbol of the greatest gift. Jesus, God, becoming incarnate as a man. Ephesians 2, he himself is our peace. So it's important that we recognize that the good news that the angels will declare and the shepherds will rejoice about and Isaiah prophesies about and you know the, the disciples finally get the good news is that you can be at peace with God no matter what has happened in your life. No matter where you've been or what you've done, that God in his infinite wisdom and love who saw you separated from him because of your sin, has sent his son, his one and only son, Jesus, to be born into our broken world, to walk perfectly in our broken world because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then to die, the only one who never deserved it, to die on our behalf so that we could be made right with God. That's the gift that we give During Christmas, during Advent, that's our hope. And I want to exhort any of you here this morning, maybe you've been to church a thousand times, or maybe this is your first time in a long time, and you know that you know I am not at peace with God. I can feel my sin separating me from him, and I do not want to be responsible for my sin before God. The good news is peace with God is available and the the Prince of Peace, his name is Jesus and he's here. He's alive. See, we're going back to Easter again. (laughs) He's alive and he's present. And as Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, I urge you, I exhort you. One translation says, I entreat you, be reconciled to God. That's the offer of Advent. Some of us maybe today just need to stop on our normal way of life and look up to God and say, I desperately need you, Jesus. I can't do it without you. Let's just pray for a minute. Holy Spirit, thank you that you have announced good news all through the scripture that Jesus, the Son of God, was born, walked, died, rose again on behalf of sinners and that to anyone who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. I ask Holy Spirit that you bring to any heart here this morning that doesn't know peace, 
the peace of Jesus. Romans 10, the Bible says that if you believe with your heart that Jesus, uh, what does it say? <laughs> trying to remember it in the middle of my, that if you, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Read Romans 10, 9. I didn't prepare for this. That if you will believe that Jesus died for you and confess he rose again from the dead, that you'll be saved. You'll be saved. From yourself and from hell. That's good news. Peace with God is available. If we would recognize those things that make for peace. And some of us, I think, are walking in a lack of reconciliation right now. If it's you, you know it because the Holy Spirit just went zing. I love you, zing. And the Holy Spirit just said, you know, you need to be reconciled to your brother, to your sister, to a parent, to a child. If you, even you, would recognize those things that make for peace. What is it that makes for peace? What could you do? How could you cooperate with God this Advent that would make peace with other people? Paul says, as far as it is up to you, be at peace with all men. Is there anything that's on your side of that that you could do to be reconciled? If you would only recognize those things that make for peace. Then he says this, you know, all that destruction that he prophesies that then happens. He says, but why did this happen? Because you didn't recognize the time of your visitation from God. Man, we had just come back Friday night. We went to IHOPE um, out on the east side of the Hope Center, and our own Deborah Roberts was speaking there. She was preaching it. I took 17 pages of notes on my iPad. Probably 10, 12, 15 times, Deborah said, the time is now, the time is now, the time is now. I mean, she's hammering it. The time is now. And then I wake up in the morning, I get arrested by this scripture. And I just said, God, have I recognized the time of my visitation? Do I realize you are here? Do we really realize, recognize, the Greek word is gnosko. It means to know in the most intimate way. It's a euphemism for marital relations. If we would know intimately that Jesus is here among us, how would it change us? How would it impact the way we walk in the world, go to school, eat breakfast, worship, pray, Don't hear condemnation here. I don't hear any condemnation in this passage. I hear an invitation from Jesus because my heart is full of him to say, will you recognize the time of my visitation? I'm here. It changes everything. You walk into that awkward family gathering, but Jesus is with you. That changes everything. You walk through your neighborhood and you see that person you don't know how to deal with, but Jesus is with you. Prince of Peace, and it changes everything. You see the the sick, the wounded, the hurt around you, and you walk up just, you know, wanting to stretch out your hand and pray for them, and you're all nervous, and right, like we all are. Then you realize, oh, Jesus is with me, and it changes everything. 
My prayer for the Vineyard family this Advent is that we would understand those things that make for peace and actually walk them out during Advent. Peace with God, peace with others, peace with ourselves, accepting our acceptance from God, and that we would recognize the time of his visitation. I'm not telling you turn off your Christmas shows or don't send your cards. Do all that fun Christmas stuff. But do it in the recognition that Jesus is here. I mean, he's here. Let's pray. Lynn, will you come? Father, we look to you this morning. We say you are the authority in our lives. And you are free to arrest us. You can take us into custody. You own us. We freely walk into your presence and say we belong to you. God, you have delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved son and made us your beloved sons and daughters. We ask, Holy Spirit, open our eyes today while we stop, while we listen. Open our eyes. Open the eyes of our heart that we'll know those things that make for peace and not just to know them, but to walk them out in obedience and that we would recognize the time of our visitation from God. I just want to say in the midst of our prayer right now, God is speaking to some of you. It's a time of grace in your life. He's calling you up. He's calling you to rise up. He's calling you forward. He's put something in you. He's inspired you with something. Don't wait for it. Don't put it off. The time is now. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, Today is the day of salvation. God is present among us. God, open our eyes to see. And then I just imagine the joy, the joy that flows from us when we realize that the mercy of God has been poured out. The grace of God has been filled up. That we, the beloved, are walking with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. I'd like to ask the ministry team to come forward. If you're on the ministry team, just come and stand right up in the front. And I want to give you a a specific challenge, the rest of you this morning. If the Holy Spirit's nudging you in some way to be reconciled to God, to be reconciled to another, and you need some grace for that, to be reconciled with yourself and accept your acceptance, grace in itself, or maybe God's given you an instruction, you realize that he's close to you right now. He's calling you to something. I just want to invite you forward to pray with someone this morning. Let that be a symbol of your saying yes to God, that you stand, let's all stand, that you stand and if anyone, that you walk forward and say to someone, you know, I want you to pray with me. So I ask you, if uh, that's you, to come forward, to have someone pray for you. Encourage the person next to you on your way out today. Remember that God is present among us, the Prince of Peace. And so I pray that you go in peace today to love and serve the Lord. Amen.